morning, church. <laughs> and Adam. <laughs> I tell you, I love stories uh, like that. I remember Mr. Don, uh, when I, we first uh, went to Connection, he, uh, before we even were a Connection plant, I went there and was telling Brandon what God was laying on my heart. And uh, he told Don, and uh, Mr. Don was in the parking lot smoking a cigarette, and he, uh, he had a really rough voice. He was like, hey, man, we praying for you, brother. And I was like, all right, back up a little bit, you know. But uh, he, he, was a, he was truly a man of God, and he really loved Jesus. And I love the stories like this because the purpose of us planting a church and purpose of us being a church isn't for us to, to congregate and sing songs and dress pretty on Sunday. It's us to reach people for the gospel. It's for us to serve Jesus and us to live it out every single day. One of the things that, that got me when we planted uh, the church is that I was tired of dead, dying religion. And I had realized what it truly meant to follow Christ. So when I started following Jesus, I didn't fit in, in, in anywhere I went to go because everybody else just wanted to go through the motions. Everybody else just wanted to, you know, just wanted to go to church, do a little check, on, you know, a little check in the box. and be like, all right, I did my good thing. I can go live my life the way I want to. But when Jesus got a hold of me, he changed me, and I couldn't be the same anymore. Anybody with me this morning? All right. So, so that's what God's put in my heart. It's like he, he, don't, he don't save us to be idle. It's not like all right, we get, we're, we're following Christ, and that's it. No, he, if you're following Jesus, you're going to go where he says go. You're going to do what he says do, and you're going to be the vessel of change he's called you to be in the environment around you. And that's what this series is about, this sent series. I want us to understand that God's called all of us to be sent out into this world and be in the vessels he's called us to be to change the community around us. It's not my place. It's not, all right, everybody looks at the pastor and be like, all right, Jeremy, it's your job to change Jenkins County. Nope. It's our job. All of us working together, being intentional, serving Jesus. That's what it's called to be. All of us are sent, not just me. All of us are sent. See, the thing is, I want to remind everybody, the reason I'm up here is I'm just operating in the gifting that God's given me. That's why I preach. If he didn't give me this gift, I would have been sitting on the pew today. All of us have a gift. All of us have a responsibility. And God's given all of us influence with certain people. And it's up to us to use that influence to change those around us and to be that vessel he's called us to be. And, and when I think about our responsibility, think about what Jesus has done. We just celebrated Easter last week, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, man, it's so awesome because when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave us something that the disciples didn't have before. That's the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God lives inside of us when we're truly following Jesus it empowers us to live this life victoriously for him. Amen? We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, I've tried being good on my own. It don't work out that good. Well, I, you can only modify your behavior so long until you're going to get tired of modifying your behavior. You're gonna go, either you're going to go back to who you once were, or you're going to pursue God and allow him to transform your life and your heart. See, and, and that's where we need art. That's where we need to be. When I think about this series, we're going to be talking about what it means to be sent, both locally, um, around the United States, around our Judea, Samaria, and Judea, Judea Samaria, and I'm sorry, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So anyway, where it's going to be called to be sent, where we are locally, the United States, and internationally. But the thing is, everybody talks about missions, and we talk about being sent. Everybody's like, okay, whew. I'm not called to Uganda or Africa or Mexico, so I'm good. I know God didn't call me to be a missionary, but you are wrong. You're wrong. Everybody looking at me all mean, but you're wrong. God, if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, he's called you to be a missionary everywhere you go. Amen. That's what he called us in, in Acts chapter 1. We're going to jump all over the place. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4 for the most of the day. Acts chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. If you want a Bible, in next steps, we'll have a Bible we'll give you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please get a copy. Acts chapter 1, 
Verse 8, verse 7, it says, He said to them, It is not fair, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, that's the last thing Jesus says to his disciples. It's the last thing. We just celebrated Easter. If you go to Matthew, the last of Matthew, the last thing he tells the disciples, he said, look, it's for you to go forth to all nations, make disciples of men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, and be bold because I will be with you always to the end of the age. The last things he tells his disciples, I got a job for you to do. The last thing he tells the disciples, you're going to be my witnesses. But don't be afraid because there will be power given to you by the Holy Spirit to be my witness. See, a lot of times the reason we're not bold is because we're not full of the Spirit of God. God's called us to be full of his Spirit. And we start talking about the Holy Spirit, people start getting all freaked out about it. Let me tell you something. You can't live this life victoriously without the Holy Spirit. And we've grown up thinking that the Holy Spirit was like the red-headed stepchild of the Trinity. We don't need to talk about him, you know, because that, that freaks people out. Let me tell you something. If you're going to come to Connection Church, you're going to hear about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit changed me. It moves me. It motivates me every day. And I can't serve God without giving glory to the Holy Spirit. But he says the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. It's going to guide you. It's going to empower you to be a witness. See, a lot of times we try to witness to other people. We try to be an example to other people in our own power. In our own power. And when we try to do it in our own power, most of the time, we, no opportunities don't happen. Things don't, people don't change because we're trying to do it in our own power. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit in which people change and people are transformed. You know, he said that he, he called to the end, to, to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, a part of Christianity is to be a part of a movement. It's, it's a part of a movement. It's not just one thing. That's what I love about being a part of Connection Church, because it's not just about us in Midland. We've got a campus in Vidalia, one in Dublin, Statesboro, and it's awesome to hear stories of what God's doing in other campuses because it makes me realize I'm a part of something bigger than myself. See, we all have the tendency to make things about us. This is about me. This is about what God's doing in my church, and we must realize that we're a part of something bigger. Last week, they baptized 25 people in Dublin. And after they got through baptizing, guess what? One man walked up to the pool and said, I need Jesus. Led him to Christ, brought him in there, and baptized him right there. You know, stories like that gets me jacked up because it makes me realize, in a good way, jacked up. But it gets me fired up of realizing that this thing's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. We are a part of a movement, and it gives me encouragement to keep on going. When it's about us and there's nothing going on and we're dry and it's kind of dead, we get discouraged and we think, oh, poor, poor, pitiful me. But when we realize we're tied to something bigger, we see God moving over there and it's like, he hadn't quit yet. Let's keep going. We're a part of something bigger. You know, I want you to realize that God's called all of us to be sent. But it's not the church's responsibility to program your life. See, that's why we do ministry simple. We have connect group. We have church on Sunday morning. We want you to do ministry. We don't want to do ministry for you. We can do programs. We can have, that's why we don't have brotherhood and all these other different things that, that all other churches have. Not that they're bad things, but a lot of times people depend more on these programs than they knew Jesus. So they want the church to program their lives, and what happens is they're relying on these programs and they're not walking by the Spirit. They're not walking in the power of God. It's like, you know what, if I can invite this people, these people to these programs, then they'll get saved instead of realizing I need to be the witness and I need to be the program for that person. God doesn't want to be used a program. He wants to use you. And if we rely too much on the church to ministry for us, we will never be the people God's called us to be. We will be dependent upon the church. That's one of the things that God showed me early. 
It's like I, I, mean, I was praying and crying out to God, Lord, why hadn't nobody got saved at church? Why, why hadn't nobody got saved? What's going on? Why, what's going on? And he's like, well, what are you doing? See, God talks to me like that. What are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm nothing. I began to go to work and began to say, you know what? I don't have to. I need to invite them to church, but you know what? They won't understand unless they see me living it out. So it changed my perspective on when I went to work, how I went to work, how I went to the grocery store. I began to see opportunities then, but only until you see things in a different light is when you'll change your attitude and your actions. See, the thing is, the most primary mission field for most of us is not far away. It's in our everyday routine lives. The biggest mission field. God doesn't save us to be passive spectators. He saves us and sends us out into the world to tell other people about Jesus. Each of us are called to a special mission field. Each of us. To reach sinners just like us. To reach people just like us. He's called all of us. See, sometimes I think that the biggest unreached people group in the world are the people next door. They're biggest unreached because they're, we're so concerned about everything else that we neglect the people closest to us. And in America, where people think religion saves you and not Jesus, that is so important while we are the witnesses to people around us. If you get it, if you're really pursuing Jesus, if he's transformed your life, you want your neighbors to get it. Amen? You want your brother to get it. You want your sister to get it. You want your mama and daddy to get it. But God's got to use you to step out and be that witness. And a lot of times, we're not thinking missionally when we go to things. We're, we're just thinking about the moment, where I am right now, what I'm doing in this moment. Instead of thinking, I can seize this opportunity to glorify God. You know, I, when, when I began to, to think about how America is, you know, there's, there's missionaries from China that's come to America to be missionaries in America. You know why? Because they see how we do church, and they're like, that's not right. Most people do, most, most modern-day Christians in America have it all wrong because it's all about the church and not about Jesus. It's all about going to a show instead of transforming my life. So they, they want to go and tell people, look, I'm being persecuted for my faith. I could die if I was found to have a Bible in my home. I could die if I had a Bible study in my home, but I serve Jesus because I love him. What's your problem? And that's what they come to America. And if they're sending over here, if they see there's a need to come to America to witness to us, which we claim we got it all together, we need to look at our own lives and say, all right, God, am I really the follower that I claim to be? Am I? Because if we all were sold out, man, this, this, this place would be changed and transformed in just a minute. You know, when I plant, we planted the church, I'm a, Dallas says, I always ticket Dallas. I say he's negative, and he always tells me that I'm, I'm too optimistic. So we kind of meet in the middle, and it's real. But we both complain about each other. But when we got planted, and about six months into it, I was just like, man, what's wrong? God was doing great things, but it was slow. Because I like, I'm, I like this fast-paced deal. Because I know that when people get it, amazing things happen. I know that when God saves people and they really realize what Jesus has done for them, guess what happens? It's like wildfire. It breaks out. When I go, if I go to my pasture, which is dry right now, and if I light a match in it, that whole thing's going to be consumed just like this because it's dry. And there's a lot of people in our community that are dry with dead, dying religion. They need to see it real in our lives. And when people see that it's real in our life, it ignites them. Because they're like, I've been looking for this my whole life, and now I see that it's real in your life. What do you have that I don't? And God, I'm, God put us there to be the, the, the spark for our community because I've seen it real in a friend's life. And I was like, what do you have that I don't have? I've seen that he didn't give up on me. He kept loving me. He kept inviting me. No, even though that I said I was right, even though that I claimed to know Jesus, I never really knew Jesus. There's a lot of people in our community that know who Jesus is, but he's not the Lord of their life because they don't modify their behavior. They don't change their heart. They're not pursuing him. They don't want his thoughts to be their thoughts. They want to do their own thing 
and claim to know him so that they can live their life any way they want to. But Jesus says, to, if you love me, you'll obey me. Amen? So when I began to plant, we began to plant the church in Millen, I began to, Lord, what, what, what do you want his church to look like? And he laid it on my heart. He says, I want the church to be so, I want the people of the church to be so in love with me that their heart for their community just grows and grows and grows to where they want to serve others with a glad heart out of a heart of gratitude so that if something was to happen and the church was to leave, the community would miss you. At work, if you were not there, would the people miss you? Not because of the money you make them, but because of the attitude and the heart you have for them. God's called us to make a difference everywhere we go. And that's what he called us to do here. But we won't make a difference in our community if we're not focused on making a difference at home, at work, everywhere we go. You know, and, and, and one of the biggest things in, in our community right now, I began to ask people in our community, what's some of the biggest needs? I asked board education. I asked, uh, talked to the sheriff. I talked to every, everybody that is in any kind of uh, oversight. They can see the depravity of our community. And I was like, what, what's going on? And you know what I kept getting over and over and over? We need mentors for young men and young women. We need people to model what it means to really be responsible. We need people that, that, that knows how to handle money to teach classes, to teach people how to deal with their money. We need, we need somebody to invest in these kids. That's the thing. I can't do it on my own. It takes all of us stepping out doing it together. And, you know, and one of the craziest things is God's called us to be a church that's blended. God's called us to be a church that, is, that looks like heaven every single Sunday. There should be so many different nation, colors of people, nationalities of people in here that it looks like heaven. Because heaven's not going to be segregated. It's not gonna be, we're going to be worshiping together. And if we're going to be, we've got to go after people and invite people and make sure people know that we love them and care about them. We want this church to, be, to look like Jesus. But we've got to be intentional with those things. Started helping with Blast, and man, I tell you, those little kids, they've got my heart. If I could adopt them and bring them all home, I would. But nothing melts my heart like a little kid saying, well, you be my daddy because I don't have a daddy. Nothing melts my heart like saying, you know, I've never done this before. Can you, can, you know, can, can you take me fishing? Dallas and I started doing some mentors with some, some older middle school guys and, and began to invest in them. And somebody was like, this ain't going to work because y'all are two white boys, and boy, you are redneck, pointed at me, and, and was like, they ain't going to relate to you because some of these boys are thuggish. But let me tell you something. You know what a connection is? People connect with love. People connect with love. And we sat down with these boys, and I told them my heart for them, that I loved them, that I wanted them to be prosperous. I didn't want them to go join a gang. I want them to have a successful life and that they didn't have to sit there and be okay with where they are. All they had to do was make the right decisions and change their life, and I would walk with them through it. Let me tell you something. Them boys, all five of them now, want me to take them fishing. I got one little boy that texts me every day. And they say that that won't ever happen. You love somebody. That's what they're looking for. Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples by your love. But you won't love somebody if you're not intentional. God's called us to be a force to reckon with, but we have to step out of our comfort zone and this life that is all about me and say, you know what, Jesus, I love you more and I love them more than staying comfortable and staying where I am. You know, I, um, let me see here. I said I had notes, and y'all were right. I wasn't ever going to follow my notes, but I got some, if they mean anything to y'all. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, says, For he has rescued us from dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his sons he loved, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. I'm going to read that one more time. I want you to get this. All right, one more time. We're going to read it again. For he has rescued us. These are the people who are following Jesus. People that not are just, not just claiming Christianity, but those of us that are truly abandoned in everything we once were and are now following Christ. He says, for you, he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness. He's rescued you from the pits of hell. He's rescued you from the darkness you were once living in. 
and brought you into his kingdom. The sons he loved. So he's, he's rescued you, brought you into his kingdom. He's adopted you as his son. He loves you. What he's saying. In whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Because he loves us so much, we have redemption of our sins. We have a redeemer. Amen? And because of that, it should ignite us to serve other people. It should ignite us to, to realize that God's kingdom, his redemptive rule, is advancing. He wants to transform people's lives. He don't want you to be religious. That's why he wants you to be his son, his daughter. He wants you to transform you. He delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into his kingdom as his sons. See, what an incredible picture to that. Think about that. What he's done for you. We should serve God out of a grateful heart. Amen? We should, we should see, this is what he did for me. I can't just sit here and, and not do nothing about it. I've got to serve him out of a grateful heart. See, God does work. For, he does work transforming people out of the clutches of hell. He brings you from where you were, and he delivers you, and he wants to transform you into the likeness of his son, not so you can stay the same way. So if he's transforming you, if he's making you new, your desires are going to change, what you want is going to change, how you love is going to change, what you do is going to change, amen? Your priorities are going to change. So if, there, if, if you're here today and you've said you've met Jesus, but your priority hadn't changed, you ain't really met Jesus because he changes everything. He changes everything. He says he changes it for his kingdom. Don't, don't you want to be involved in that? Come on. Do, do you want to be involved in his kingdom? So if we want to be involved in his kingdom, he's inviting us as his church to be involved in it by living as missionaries, focused as that we're sent into our community. We're, we need to realize we're missionaries sent to our community. We're not just going to work. We're sent to work. We're not just going to Dairy Queen. We're sent to Dairy Queen. We're not just going to Plant Vogel. We're sent to Plant Vogel. We're not just going to Jenkins County Elementary or High or Middle. We are sent there. God's sending us places to be vessels of change for people to encounter the goodness of God through you. Because if you've encountered Jesus, you're going you're to present these qualities to people around you. But see, we just go to work. We go to work so we can get this money. We can, we can, we can teach these bad kids, or we can get, we can do this welding. We can go logging. I can go surveying. I go get, get this task done, for I can get home and see my family. And what happens is we miss all the opportunities in between to show people the love of Jesus, and we've forgotten that He has sent us there for that purpose. He didn't give you the job for you to make all that money. He gave you that job to give you influence, to share the gospel with people around you. And if you don't think of it that way, you'll just skirt through life thinking, God never wants to use me. He never gives me opportunities. I've heard so many people complain. I was like, are you looking around? Because there's opportunities everywhere. See, the thing is, thinking missionally changes our whole perspective. And a lot of us, our perspective has to change. And when you think about going to work differently, like I'm going to work in the morning. Like y'all want to get up and go to work in the morning. If you get up and go to work in the morning thinking that God has sent me here, you'll quit complaining about how bad your job is. I don't know amens on that one, huh? <laughs> Guess what you ain't going to do? You ain't going to complain about that boss that is hard to deal with. You ain't going to complain about the long hours you got to work because you realize God has sent me here. God is now my foreman. God is now my manager. God is now my overseer. And he's telling me to go do this work for him at this place. When you think of it in that context, your whole attitude changes. Your whole focus changes because I have a different motivation. I'm not motivated by money. I'm motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. I'm motivated by doing the mission work that God's granted in my life to do. You know, when you think about those things, it reminds us that God is sovereignly ruling over us and he's, he's sent us to these places. So, so, so God sent us. He's sending us different places. He sent us to work. What do we do with it? How do we, how do we handle these things? First, uh, Colossians chapter 4 says this. Colossians 4, 
verse 2. He says, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open up a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mysteries of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So if we're going to live a life of sin, what do we have to do? That text tells us, number one, we have to pray. Number two, we have to live. And number three, we got to talk. I'm finna break them down. And I know that sounds simple, but I'm a simple man. But anyway, when I think about it, the one Paul got what it meant to live missionally. You're reading that text. Paul talks about praying, then he talks about praying for me. We need to pray, but pray for me so that he may proclaim. You, you pick up where Paul was at. Paul says, I'm in chains. Homeboy was in prison. Paul's in prison. He's not saying, woe is me. He realized that God sent him to prison. Now, a lot of us get in a bad way, and we're like, oh, God, woe is me. Why am I here? He realized that every place God put him was there for a reason. He knew that he wasn't just in prison. God sent him to prison so that the Roman Empire and the Romans would know the goodness of God. He took every opportunity to praise God, to please God, and to, and to be on fire and missional everywhere he went. He took and seized every opportunity. How come we pray for God to give us opportunities, and then when he gives us the opportunity, we're like, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. That's too hard. We forget that we're, we're, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and he will empower you. He will enable you to do the work. You know, when I think about Paul being in jail and, and all that, man, it's just, to me, it's awesome because the, he was there. He realized he was sent to jail, and he was focused on the man that had the keys that held him in prison. He, his mission was, I'm going to witness to this man, this jailer right here. I'm going to witness to him, tell him the goodness of God by the way I live, by the way I talk, by the way I present myself so that he will know Jesus. And he was the one that had the keys that was keeping him in jail. Most of us would be opposed to people like that. How dare you? You're keeping me in this place. But instead, he was focused on that. How many of us would handle that situation that way? We put Paul up here like he's a super saint. Let me tell you, Paul just got it. Paul understood where he was. Paul understood, he, he understood where, how far he was from God when Jesus came and revealed himself to him and the scales fell from his eyes and it transformed everything in his life. And his, he dedicated everything to Paul. I mean, everything to Jesus. Paul dedicated everything to Jesus. His whole life, his actions, his money, his career, everything. He said he counted everything as nothing but Christ again. He got it. And we have to get it if we want to make that impact. See, effective mission work begins with us appealing to the king for help to make opportunities. So what does it mean for us to be sent in middle? And it means for us to be intentional everywhere we go. Number one, we got to pray for God to give us opportunities. Get up every morning saying, God, give me an opportunity to share your love. Give me an opportunity to be that vessel of change for somebody. God, give me those opportunities. And then the next thing you need to do is, like he says, you need to be watchful and thankful. You need to be watchful. You need to be looking for them. Don't just pray for it. Be looking for it. Let me give you a little hint. A lot of times those opportunities come the most inconvenient times. When you don't want to, guess what? That's probably it. I remember I was busy one day running. I had, I had a meeting I had to go to. And uh, I was coming back home, and I'd been praying that morning, God, give me an opportunity. And, and, and uh, I hadn't had an opportunity yet, and I was coming down the bypass, and there was a black guy walking with a book bag. You know, first thing I think, don't pull him over. He's going to kill you because he's got a knife in his bag or something. But I kept going. And when I kept going, I was like, that might have been my opportunity. I was like, nah, that wasn't my opportunity. <laughs> God will give me another one. <laughs> no, that wasn't it. The more I got, the more I was like, you know what? That probably was my opportunity. But if it ain't, God, he won't get in. So I turned around, big old jacked-up truck. Like, all right, boy, you want to get in? Let's ride together. I got in. I said, hey, man, what's going on? He was like, hey, uh, uh, I said, you need a ride? He was like, well, where are you headed? I said, well, I'm going to Midland. He said, well, I need a ride to Waynesboro. 
my grandma died, and I need to get over there, and I don't have a ride. And he gave me the story of what happened. I said, yeah, hop in. I'll, I'll take you to Waynesboro. He said, but you said you was going to Midland. I said, yeah, but I can go through Midland and carry you to Waynesboro. It's fine. Just get in the truck. We started riding. He began to tell me. Let me tell you, he's in my vehicle. The only thing he's going to do, if he don't like it, he got to jump out. I had him. How you been doing? And I knew my heart was beating out my chest. This is your opportunity, Jeremy. This is it. I said, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. I was like, yeah, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> we ain't even got into second gear yet. I began to tell him what God done in my life. I began to tell him how I was blinded by religion. I began to tell him all those things, and he was quiet. And y'all know I can get long-winded, so I probably talked all the way to Millen. But we got there, and he began to tell me how he'd been hurt. He began to tell me all these things, and he opened up to me. We pulled into Dairy Queen, we got him a hamburger, and we kept on going. And we got to Waynesboro and took him to where he needed to be and got to drive him off. He said, I want to ask you something. Why, why did you bring me all the way here when you, all you had to do was go to Millen? I was like, you know, man, sometimes I put my priorities above God's and you said you needed a ride and God told me to pick you up. So you know what? That other stuff can wait. I said, but the most important thing is that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And he didn't pray right then. And I was kind of upset. Like, God, I rode all the way this far, and he didn't even receive you. What in the world? <laughs> but you know what? Some of us, we want, we want to see, we want to, we want to be harvesters, but God's called us, all of us to be sowers. And we just need to be faithful in sowing the seed and let him worry about harvesting it. That's what God's called us to be. But see, when we put our own priorities up here, God never gets to do his work in our life. Because it's not your kingdom, God. It's my kingdom, and we'll work in your kingdom when I have time. But when we're missionally, when we're praying for opportunities and we're looking for those things, we will seize the moment, and then we will make a difference. God wants to make a difference in your life, but you have to seize those moments. You have to pray. See, prayer is the most important thing in our life, praying, talking to God, and then watching for those things to come to fruition, looking for the opportunities to come available and seizing those moments. Because let me tell you, most of the time we put things so important, but they can wait. Just the difference between me making to a meeting and a man's soul. Sorry, boys, you're going to be waiting on, waiting on me for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? We've got to make our priorities line up with God's if we truly know who our Redeemer is. Verse 5, he says, what I love about it, he says, Be wise in every way in the way you act. Man, if I could read this morning, it'd be great, wouldn't it? Hold on a second. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So what he's saying here, he said, be wise. Effective mission work begins with appealing to the king for opportunities. And then the opportunities, telling people about his kingdom, that the gospel, and then make relationships with them. You see, what's happened in church culture right now is what they've said is that you don't need to have anything to do with lost people. Don't have anything to do with people that don't know Jesus. Don't have anything to do with any of those people. You need to cut them out of your life. When that happens, it turns us into a big old cult, what it does. And no doubt, there's some people that are toxic to your relationship with Jesus. God delivered me from alcohol. I could not be around other people drinking alcohol for a while until I was strong enough to go back to those people. So you have to be wise in that. I'm not telling you, go back to the party scene and have it, drink it up. No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you, God delivered you from that so that you can go back to that and be a witness to them. I won't never forget because I was jaded by that for so long. And then when we were struggling in our marriage, I went, Sabrina wanted to go back to the party scene and, and I used to go back or get a divorce. So I went back and I was, but I wouldn't, I couldn't drink. I couldn't, I remember what God delivered me from. I couldn't go back to that scene and be that intentional about it. And it was the point where I was almost sick, nauseated. Like I couldn't, like I was, we was at Coleman's Lake on a Thursday night and I'm in the truck and I'm like, I can't go. Like I was like, I, I thought I was, I really thought I was going through a mental breakdown. I was like, God, I can't go in there. Whew, I had to breathe hard. It was like killing me. And he's like, Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus went to those who needed me the most, who needed me the most. And if you're supposed to be a follower of Jesus, you will do those same things. And I went in that place with a different mindset. 
I went in there with my Gatorade bottle, and, that's, and let me tell you, I was, I, I was worried about what church people were going to think about me, and that's what left me powerless. When I walked in there, everybody was like, hey, man, what are you doing? And I began to say, let me tell you, and I make a joke that I was the most popular person, and then in five minutes later, I was the most unpopular person in the old place. But it gave me an opportunity to make me realize that I can be the light in the darkest places, but I have to look for those opportunities and be intentional with it. And you know what? Through that, it shook a lot of my friends. Oh, you church people ain't supposed to be here with me. You know what? You know what? I can't, I can't do what you're doing because God's changed me. But I want to tell you that God can change you, and you got to want it. You don't have to do this. You don't have to drink all the time. You don't have to be partying. You don't have to go and sleep around uh, with other women. You don't have to go and be that, that, that adulterer. You don't have to do those things. God redeemed you. He can redeem you. He can change you. He can save you. How are they going to hear that? Because they ain't coming to church. He's called us to be vessels of change. He says, be wise. So he's told us that we need to have relationships with people that don't know Christ. And that's so countercultural right now. There's some pastors that are probably going to tell me that I'm, I'm wrong in that. You know what? Tell me. I don't care. That's what God's Word says. So if you listen in on podcasts, you're wrong. I'm right. I'm playing. But the thing is, he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Paul was telling us that we need to be where the non-Christians are. We need to go talk to people. See, you know, what, you know why people oppose the church? It's because we act like we got it all together and we're arrogant. We say, you know what, I know Jesus. You better go find him. And a lot of us are so high on our high horse of religion that if it rains, we would drown. And it just, it just repulses people. They don't want to know Christ because we're not showing who Christ really is. Christ went and ate with sinners. He loved people so much that he went to them. He didn't classify people. He just loved people and shared the goodness of God with them. And that's what he's called us to do and be. See, we, show, we, 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 we walk away walk around with this air about us and it almost comes off to people that don't know Christ as arrogant. I've got it. You don't. You're going to hell. I'm not. Instead of a compassion of saying, look, God found, met me. He found me. He met me where I was. He loves me. I love you. I want you to know Jesus. And you know what? You don't have to live that way. Not condemning them. Not saying sinner. Not sitting there and, and, and condemning them of where they are. Showing them there's a different way. Loving them through it. You know what I'm saying? I've had it happen both ways to me. I've had it happen both ways. I had a little, little lady just come and just show enough, chew me up one side and down the other. And I wasn't right with God. You know what I did? I ain't going back to that church. I've also had people come up to me, be like, you know, man, you don't have to live that way. I used to live that way. God delivered me from it. God loves me, and he saved me. He can do the same thing in your life. Look at how much peace I have. You're doing all this stuff just trying to find happiness, but God's the only way to give you happiness. And when I began to see that and that love for me, you know what I did? It made me want to come to him. It drew me to him. See, we have to be wise in the way we talk to people and the way we pursue people because your religious attitude just pushes people away. And if we want to be the church that, that, that people just are drawn to, not because of our music, not because of, of anything else, but I want people to be drawn to Jesus, not to me. And the only reason they're drawn to Jesus is if all of us are living it out and having love and compassion toward people that are far from God. Not saying that we got it together and you don't. It's saying that Jesus met me, found me in the, in the deepest darkness that I was in, and he brought me out, and he can do that for you. Let me walk with you through this. That's what he's called us to do. That's how he's called us to be. We need to live it out every day. Think about it for a moment. What kind of missionary... So he's also called us to be, to be separate, right? Be different from everybody else, right? Live missionally. We're supposed to live a life. So think about a missionary for a minute. We're supposed to be missionaries, right? Y'all with me? Y'all tracking with me? Amen? Nod your head? Everybody? Come on. Nobody's asleep. Because I can walk around here, slap the side of you. Don't fall asleep. The thing is, we're all supposed to be missionaries. So think about, if I'm a missionary sent to Uganda, am I going to go find a house? in a nice part of town? Am I going to go and find a job and 
you know, find a wife and just kick back and relax and just live? Or am I going to go intentional looking for where the biggest need is? Am I going to go to where the people need the most help? What am I going to do? You see, people that move somewhere and they find a place to live and they, and they just do life, those people aren't missionaries. Those people are residents. They're just living there. But people who are focused and driven on making a difference, those are people that are missionaries. And there's too many people are living a life of, they took up residence in America and not being missionaries in America. You understand what I'm saying? I want a newsflash for you. If you are a child of God, guess what? You don't belong here. We're just passing through here. And if we're passing through here, if God's kingdom is greater, if, it, if, it's, if it's my intention, if I'm going to live with, in glory with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then I want to do what he's called me to do right here, right now, and, be, and take as many people with me that I can. But the only way that happens is I have to wake up every day with that intentionality, with that focus, with that desire of realizing I've got to go to people. If I'm a missionary in Jenkins County, then I have to go and be a part of the lives of people. That's why Connect Group is so important. I, I want to I invite people that don't know Christ to our Connect Group so that they can see, and our Connect Group is sometimes dysfunctional. We make a little joke of saying that you got to fill out an application to make sure that everything's going to work out with your Connect Group. We like a dysfunctional family, but, but we love each other. The thing is, I want people to come in and, and see that family atmosphere. I want people to come in and see how we love each other. I want people to come in and see how we care for one another. Because it's so countercultural to how every people, everybody thinks church should be. Church ain't for just saved people. It's for people that need to know Jesus. Connect group is what, how I do life, how we do life. We should be inviting people to be a part of our group, our connect group, so that we can walk with them through their infirmities. We can show them there's a better way. We can show them that, you know what, your drinking buddies are only interested in you partying with them. They don't care if you have problems. Let me tell you a little secret. I messed up my knee. You know how many of my drinking buddies went and checked on me? Zero. You know why? Because I couldn't drink no more. I was tied to the bed. But you know how many people from the church came and checked on me? A bunch of them. There's people that you have in your life that are only worried about what you can give them. But see, if we're truly following Jesus, we don't care about what they can give us. We only care about what we can give them. And I might not can give you money, I might not can give you houses, but I can give you Jesus. I can give you love. I can give you compassion. And that's how God's called us to be. But we have to think missionally and intentionally that I'm sent here for this reason, this purpose. It's no accident that I'm here. But this is my, where God has sent me to be intentional. See, the person who doesn't know Jesus, if he scratches the surface of our lives and witnesses our actions and our motives and our decisions, as well as how we handle our money, as well as how we handle our time, our energy, our pleasures, and most importantly, how we handle sin, when they see how we do those things, that person will be struck by the graciousness of God and be like, wow, you do all this for Jesus? If you're willing to sacrifice your money, if you're willing to sacrifice your time, there must be something to him. Let me know him. And the reason that we're not making a difference in the world is because we're trying to hang out with the same people that, that are going through the same things. I tell people all the time, when you invite people that you know are lost to church, guess what? They're going to get saved. Because nobody can come into the, either they're going to get saved or they're going to reject God and not come back. Because I have 100% confidence that when you give somebody the option of you can surrender your life to Jesus and live a life of fulfillment, or you can continue to look for love in all the wrong places, you can continue to try to patch those holes in your heart yourself. When you plant that seed, eventually one day when they're tired of patching the holes and they keep coming back, they're going to come back to you and say, hey, tell me more about Jesus. God's called you to be a seed sower. 
everywhere you go. But you've got to be intentional with that. The garden's never planted unless first you plow the ground. You have to be intentional. I've been going to plant a garden for two weeks. I had not made it out there yet. A lot of us have great intentions, but we have to make plans. You've got to plan for it. You've got to say, you know what? And how you plan is when you pray for opportunities. You're planning for God to give you an opportunity to plant the seeds. You've got to be intentional when, that's, when that opportunity arises. You've got that window. You've got the art. Right, right. Then you've got to come you got to plant the seed. See, some of us are just there to plow the ground. Some of us are there to plant the seed. Some of us are there to water the seed. And others are going to be blessed with being able to reap it. But all of us working together is what makes the kingdom so great. Because he wants all of us to be vessels of change. He wants to use all of us to change our community. People may see Jesus in my life and they're like, man, Jeremy's got it going on. They may see it in Dallas's life be like, they got it going on because we're pastors. But if they see it in your life and in your life and in your life, they'll be like, you know what? There's something to Jesus because all those people seem to be different than everybody else. All those other people seem to really love each other. They really love Jesus. They love serving. They love our community. They don't just go to church. Like, there's something different there. And when the people see there's a difference in all of our lives, guess what? They're drawn here. They're drawn here. They're drawn to you. Tell me what you have different. Tell me what's going on. I know because when people that have been addicted by things, and I tell them that I once was addicted, I don't even get to say anything. You know what the next thing? How did you get free from it? They're looking for answers. But so many of us can't tell people how to be free from a life of sin because we've never really been freed. We're still walking in it, wearing the mask of Sunday morning. And if we're going to make an impact, if we're going to fulfill the mission that God's given us for our community and the communities around us, then we've got to take God's word seriously and be praying fervently, be living intentionally. And lastly, but not least, talk simply. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned, with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Having conversations with unbelievers. Talking with people. Sharing the goodness of God. I remember when there's something about salt that gives a distinction to food. See, when I grew up, my daddy, he's still the same way. He don't like me. He didn't want my mama to put nothing in food. It was just showing up bland. I can't even eat it now sometimes. Mama's got to put salt in mine if I'm going to eat with them. But I remember going to Sabrina's house for the first time, and her mama can cook now, I want to tell you. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? It's just green beans, Jeremy. <laughs> like, yeah, but there's something different about these green beans. Sabrina's mama was like, well, they, the jolly green giant kind. Like, no, what's, what's in it? She's like, all I did was put salt in it. Like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> Everything she cooked, she put salt in it. It gave it a different flavor. See, when we're following Jesus, it gives us a different flavor. Puts, makes us distinct, makes us different. And when you look at the religious culture around us, it's bland, it's dead, and it's not life-giving. But when Jesus gets a hold of your life, it changes you. It gives you this salt, gives you this, I don't know, this, this flavor that's so different than anything else. When people see that difference, people see that, and it's like, you know what? I'm tired of the bland old dying stuff. I want what you got. But the only way they know that you got something different is by the way you talk, because the way you talk reveals the condition of your heart. Amen? So we've got to not only live it out so people can see the goodness of God, but we also have to talk it and share it with our mouth. But let me tell you something. Some of us can talk a good game, but we ain't living it. Some of us are trying to pursue Jesus like we're a used car salesman. We talk about something we don't know nothing about. I remember, I, 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 remember I love going shopping with, for a car with my uncle because he knows cars and he used to like grill these Car salesman, but he was like, oh, what kind of motor's in it? And the guy was like, oh, I don't know. He said, you know, if you don't know what you're selling, I don't want to buy nothing from you. 
I'm like, man, that's kind of harsh. But then if they knew what kind of motor it was, he'd be like, what kind of transmission is it in? How fast will it go? How many, he'd, he'd start asking, and let me tell you something. If that man knew that vehicle he was selling, he didn't even ask about the price because he knew that that man had done the research on that vehicle. Do you know the Jesus that you proclaim? Because somebody says, well, right, tell me about Jesus. Are you going to say, hold oh, let me go get my preacher. I don't know how many people call me, but like, you know what, I don't know what to do, but here. We've got to know who we say, who we say our Redeemer is. We've got to know. Our speech shows our heart. Our speech shows who we love. See, every person we encounter is different. We can't always talk the same way. Some people you have to talk simply to. Some people you have to use parables with. It used to always aggravate me. There's some, there was uh, some pastors that they think that just because they use great big words and do these glorious sermons that it's just great, but it's showing how smart they are and they're not really reaching people because some people need it down here. And I can be up here, even though you don't think so. And I can be down here. But I want to be like Paul says. I want to be all things to all people. So if I need to be up here, I can talk intelligently. If I need to be real, I can be real. If I need to be compassionate, I can be compassionate. We need to know how to talk to different people in different situations. It's not cookie cutter. Everybody's struggling with different things. Everybody's struggling with different hurts. And you might not hurt the way they hurt, but you've hurt before. And you can share your hurt with them to bridge that gap to show them that you're real and the realness that Jesus has delivered you from. You know, the last thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to close. But our motives need to match our message. Our motives need to match our message. When we're telling people about Christ, we need to be motivated by the love of Jesus, not by trying to be religious and go to group and be like, ooh, 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 I led two people to Jesus today. Were you doing that for people that your group could praise you, or were you doing that because you were excited of what the king had done in people's lives? Our motives matter. And it needs to match our message. God's called us. God's called each of you from the front row to the back row to the wall. He's called all of us to be sent. When you wake up in the morning and go to work, realize Jesus, if you're a child of God, he sent you to work this morning. When you go in the morning to the logging woods, remember, he called me to be that, that intentional man in the woods. When I go surveying, it's a challenge sometimes to realize, God, you sent me here today to be a vessel for somebody, to be a vessel of change for somebody. God, give me eyes to see who I should be that vessel to. There's people all around us every single day that are just waiting and desiring to see it real in your life. And some of us are like Paul. So we feel like we're in jail. We feel like we're in chains. And our attitude shows that. We act like we're miserable at work, we're miserable here, instead of realizing that, you know what, God's got me right here for a reason and for a season, and when I'm obedient to him, he's going to advance me somewhere else so that when my job's done right here, you know, I have to tell you a little something. Maybe you are in the same job, and you haven't advanced yet because you ain't done the work he called you to do yet. And when, let me tell you, when everybody gets saved around you, when you've, when you've done, you've planted all the seeds he's called you to plant, he's going to move you somewhere else. The reason we're always just spinning our wheels is because we're not doing the things he called us to do. Church, God sent you into this community. Teachers, he sent you to the school system. Construction worker, he sent you to that job site. He sent you to that Christmas party. He sent you to that family reunion, believe it or not. 
He sent you everywhere. And when you go into these places realizing that my God has sent me here, you're looking for people to share the gospel with. And you know what? You don't care if they are mad or if they get upset because you're telling them about Jesus because you know what? You realize that he sent you there and you're going to do the work. Money motivates you to get out of bed every morning. And if the love of Christ motivates you at all, you'll share the gospel and you'll realize that you're sent. And you'll wake up saying, God, give me eyes to see. So this week, when you go to work, I pray that when you leave here, you pray, God, give me opportunities every day this week. And not just this week, but every week from the day you die on this earth, God, give me opportunities. I'm going to pray, God, give me opportunities. I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to look for those opportunities to share your goodness. I'm going to live it out in front of people every single day. I'm not just going to claim it with my mouth. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to know who I'm talking about. And when I talk, I'm going to talk in a way that people understand it, people know that they love me, people know that I love them, and I'm going to walk it out every single day. That's how we make a difference. That's how we change the world, and that's how we're going to change our community, one person at a time, as we are intentional with that. So as we close this morning, you won't be that way. You won't care about that if you don't know Jesus and know his redemptive power in your life. You won't care one minute if anybody goes to hell because you yourself are going that same place. You don't care about nobody if you have not felt that change, that redemption power in your life. So I'm going to be standing over here. And if you've never, ever, ever truly surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, come and pray with me. Let's get real. Let's get serious so that we can be the difference he's called us to be. You will never make a difference until you surrender your life to Jesus. And for those of you that are claiming to know Jesus, what's keeping you from being missional? What's keeping you from being intentional? What is holding you back from being the man and woman God's called you to be? Why don't you open your mouth at work? Is there something in your life not, sh not matching up? Is what you say, don't back up what you say you are. What's going on? Because he didn't call you to passively sit on a church pew every Sunday and be disobedient and not be moving anybody. He's called you to be active and involved in the role of missionary missions and be a missionary where he's called you to be. So what's holding you back? What's holding you out? Why aren't you doing the things? What's God need to remove? Maybe it scales from your eyes. Maybe he needs to open your ears. Maybe he needs to change some things in your heart. But if you remember what Jesus has done for you, guess what? You want to do any and everything that you can do for him. Amen? I don't want to have a church, and I don't want to be a part of a church. That we just come in here and we go home and be like, oh, that was a good message. Let's go eat some chicken. I want us to be a church that are every week. We're changing, we're transforming, we're growing more and more into the likeness of Jesus. So it's your turn to respond to Christ, to respond to the call that God's laid on all of our lives to be sent to our community. What are you going to do with this invitation today? As our worship band comes up, I'm going to pray. And if God's moving in your heart, you come to this altar, you deal with God. If there's something special, needs you need, some special prayer you need, some of the prayer team's going to be up here with me. They can pray with you and over you. Let's leave here changed. Amen? Let's do business with God today because he's alive. And let's pray. Father, we come to you right now. And God, I thank you for your glorious presence. I thank you, Lord, for your, just how awesome you are, Lord Jesus. And God, I thank you, Lord, for being the God that opens the eyes of the blind. And I thank you, Lord, for being the God that changes the, the deaf so they can hear, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for finding us where we are, away from you, living a life of sin, living a life that doesn't please you. And, God, we, you come to us, you meet us where we are, and you help us, you transform us, you change us. So, God, change our hearts today. God, change our selfishness today. Help us, Lord. Whatever's blocking us from being sent, whatever's blocking us from being intentional, whatever's blocking us today, today God, from being your people, where you've sent us, and, Lord, I pray that you would just destroy it in our heart, Lord, so that we walk away from here different, challenged, and changed for the glory of you, Lord Jesus. So, God, do what you want and help us, Lord, respond 
God, I pray right now that you would just be pounding on the heart of the hardest person in here. And they would, they would, they would just quit. Hold them back. And God, they would, they would just be transformed. God, you, they would allow you to transform them. They would allow you to break them. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody on the sound of my voice that don't know you truly. They may have went to church. They may know who you are, but, they are not, but you are not their God. You are not their master. And God, I pray that you would convict them and they can't leave this place until they surrender their life to you and they commit their life to you, Lord. So, Father, we lay all these petitions at your feet. And, Lord, we know how awesome you are and how great you are and, Lord, how you answer prayers. So, God, we pray for you to do the work that you've promised. In Jesus' name we pray.